Going Linux, episode 432, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Phil. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hi, Larry. It's cold. It's cold, yes. It's uh, not as cold here as it is there, but, uh, you know, California cold is uh, relatively warm for the rest of the country. There's 26 <laughs> up here Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was cold. Uh, had to turn on the heat. I was freezing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's amazing. I think uh, people are like, well, Bill's going to tell us about uh, his weather. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's, you get you get a uh, past weather report whether you want it or not. <laughs> that's right. Yes. And it's something we all have in common, weather. <laughs> weather. It may be different and different where you are than it is where we are, but it's all something we have in common. The elephant in the room is, I hear you got a new toy. Yes, yes. I traded in one of my older computers for a Lenovo 2-in-1, also known as convertible, mm-hmm. laptop. Uh, and this is not one that is convertible from the sense that you can detach the keyboard, but rather you fold it back on itself and the keyboard becomes disabled and you can write on it like a tablet. And uh, spoiler alert. Um, it works almost perfectly right out of the box uh, with Ubuntu Mate. Nice. What did that run? Uh, yeah, interesting story there. So uh, the, I got it from Costco, okay. a big box store here in the United States and probably around the world. Uh, and they had a sale on it. It wasn't even the, you know, the Thanksgiving Black Friday sales. It was just a sale. Uh, normally, it was about a thousand dollars, and they had it on sale for two hundred dollars off. And if you traded in an old computer, they will give you three hundred dollar Costco cash card. Okay. So five hundred dollars. So I got it for about half price. That's not bad. Uh, what uh, uh, did you trade in? <laughs> Old netbook? Here you go. Uh, no, no, it had to be within the last. What did they say? Three years or five years or something. So it had to be relatively new by Linux standards. Um, so uh, I had two. Count them two. XPS thirteens. There's a story behind that. Short version is, I ordered a an XPS 13. It was defective. They said, uh, we'll replace it. 
but keep the old one. Yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. One yeah. Back. So I took the stupid thing apart and fixed the problem with it, and <laughs> so I ended up with two. Um, registered them both with Dell, and they've been in service ever since. So I still have an XPS 13, which is my daily driver. We record off of that and so on. Uh, and I wanted a two-in-one primarily because I needed a second computer, <clears throat> first world problem. And uh, I wanted to try a two-in-one just to see if Ubuntu Mate had what it took to run the two-in-one. And I actually wrote an article about that. It's on our website. And I'll have a link in the show notes to run your Linux on a convertible laptop. And we we might turn that into an episode here if there's enough meat to it. But um, I I had to make some adjustments to the mapping for the stylus. And what I mean by that is, of course, you have a keyboard you can use and the trackpad that's built in to the keyboard. Uh, and on this laptop, and it's a Lenovo Flex 5i. You can use your finger on the touch screen, uh, and that worked fine regardless of the orientation, you know, whether it's uh, portrait or landscape or upside down, or that all worked fine, as did the keyboard mm-hmm. and the trackpad. But when I tried to use the stylus, um, it didn't remap the coordinates on the screen. So when I had it upside down, if I touched the top left, the cursor would, uh, with the stylus, uh, it would appear, the cursor would appear on the bottom right, uh, which is not something you want. So uh, I had to remap the screen, which I described those steps in the article. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing that I actually had to do. The rest of the article describes some of the things that I did to make it a little easier because when you switch the orientation, it, it doesn't do it automatically like it does in Windows. Okay. Uh, but I made a, an on-screen button, a little button on the uh, taskbar using Windows terms or on the panel using Linux terms. Uh, and I had a series of four buttons, one for... Normal portrait right side up, one for portrait upside down or inverted, one for left oriented, one for right oriented, and wrote a little script that actually rotates the screen, disables the touch screen, the the finger touch, so that my hand doesn't interfere with writing using the stylus. Uh, All that uh, automatically with the touch of a button, so I can... Touch the button, use it in portrait mode. I can write with the stylus, touch the other button to turn it back normal, use the keyboard and mouse. All of that happens automatically at the touch of a button. So describe how to do that as well in the article. So if you've been wondering about those two-in-ones and whether Ubuntu or Ubuntu Mate will work with it, uh, this is my experience with this particular model of Lenovo. And it's it's interesting. What processor does it use? Uh, it's got a Core i7. Oh, wow. Okay. And I got it with 16 gigs of RAM. And uh, this particular model, the one that was on sale, I haven't seen it that you can buy it anywhere else. This one has an OLED screen uh, in uh, 4K. So <laughs> really, really high quality screen as well. Nice. Nice. 
Yeah, the only other thing I would have uh, asked for would have been a um, a uh, larger hard disk uh, or NVMe disk. Came with five twelve, and my um, XPS thirteen. I uh, swapped out the five twelve that came with it and put in a, um, a two terabyte. Yeah, uh, NVMe drive there. And the nice thing about the Lenovo is that you can also swap it out. So down the road, if I run out of space, I will swap that out. The the bad thing about it is the Realtek Wi-Fi card and the fact that the RAM is soldered in, so you can't really replace <sighs> that, which is one of the reasons why I wanted the 16 gigs of RAM, because that's kind of the sweet spot for now and for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Really didn't need more than that on a tablet. Well, that sounds good. Sounds like it's uh, pretty. You have to get, uh, let us know how it works over the yeah, long term. So far, so good. I've uh, used it for about a week, uh, maybe two, but certainly a week relying on it. And it has been perfect. Nice. Yeah. So uh, testing whether Ubuntu uh, Mate lives up to the claim that it supports uh, touch screens out of the box, and yes, I can say, yes, it does. The only tweaks I had to make were some related to making it more convenient to use, but for touching the screen and using all of the features out of the box perfectly. Okay, so shall we get into our uh, what the main reason we're here, which is to talk about the weather, discuss our yeah, no, we did that already. Oh, that's okay. done, yeah, yeah, no, this is we we want to provide our listeners with the feedback that other listeners have provided us. All right. Yeah, we'll start off with uh, a voicemail message from someone in Rock Valley, Iowa. Uh, and I can't give you their name because they didn't leave their name. But uh, here's the recording. Hi, Larry and Bill. Love the show. I wanted to reach out with my switching story. I was a Windows fan all my life. Um, from Windows 3.1 all the way to 8.1. And in my opinion, that's kind of when things fell apart for Windows. Well, with their dual desktop environments, I should say dueling desktop environments, since they were always trying to fight with each other. But I felt like that Windows traded flashiness for, you know, cohesivity and usability. And then I kind of took a break from desktop computing. And then after a while, I pulled my wife's, 10-year-old laptop out of the attic and installed Zorin on it, and I am just as pleased as I could be, and I think as web-based computing gets better and better, you know, with all your programs going online, I think that the objections for using Linux are going away very quickly, and things have kind of swapped, because it used to be that Microsoft was the standard, and things were easier to use on Microsoft, and you had to mess around with Linux. But now to get Windows to do what you want, you got to mess around with Windows all the time and waste your time. So my reason for switching in a nutshell was that I just believe you've, you've got the right to do what you want with your hardware and your software, that once you purchase these things, they should be yours, and that you should be able to uninstall Edge, for instance. So love the show, guys. Bye. Okay, and thanks for that. Thanks for the... Uh uh, what did you call it? You called it a switching, switching story. Yeah, that was, uh, that's good. And we're really happy that you're enjoying, uh, the alternative to Windows. 
the real alternative to Windows. That's <laughs> Linux. And, uh, yeah, uh, congratulations on making the switch. Yep. And let us know how it goes. Uh, I'm sure you're going to find things that will cause you a little, uh, say, hmm, how do I do that or something. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, he's on the right path. Yep. And that's what we're here for is to help you out with those nagging little questions. Uh, either we'll provide the answers or provide you the place where you can get the answers or just flat out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one of those three. Shall we go on to our first email? Yes, our first email is from Jason, who sent who sent about his uh, noob Linux user experience. He said he found a distro. He says, "Hello, Bill and Larry." He says, "I just listened to episode four hundred and thirty. It was a listener feedback episode, and you responded to my email concerning which distro." Should, should a frustrated new Linux user actually use? This is my experience with Linux since I wrote my initial frustrated email. Please keep in mind that I tried the following distros prior to listening to your advice. So, you actually responded to some of the issues I ran into in episode 430. So, I've tried the following distros and provided a very brief description of my findings with my laptop. Please remember that I'm a noob. Uh, or new user, I don't like noob, but uh, I'm a noob and I'm willing to learn new things but have uh, work and family obligations that limit the amount of time I can devote to a computer and its use. Yeah, we all relate. So the first one was uh, Ubuntu Mate. Snap version of Firefox took six to nine seconds to open on as its average time, giving that this is one of my most used programs. It become a, a little annoying and create a, a bit of uh, apprehension or uh, or political argument against Snap. Just the performance experience of Firefox. I really enjoyed the ability to switch easily the desktop layout. This is a great feature. Pop OS. Not a big fan of the GNOME layout. Still used. Uh, still used to using Windows 10-esque uh, layout. This is clearly a personal preference, and uh, I did not want to have to tweak everything to make it look like another desktop environment. I did find GNOME's minimalist aesthetics uh, pleasing, though. Uh, Pop's auto-update fe uh, features uh, are a great thing as well. The biggest issue I had was that it was a little sluggish, which I assume is based on my budget laptop's hardware. Fedora 36. I liked it. Tried GNOME and Cinnamon Spins. Quickly ran into things I had to research just to use the operating system. I have two very small children, and it was simply required a little too much time than I can, can devote to it at the present stage of family life. Debian stable with backport kernel and Debian testing. A little too much setup work uh, to use it consistently and it sometimes went wrong. Not sure I could spend the time to fix it. I did not spend much time on this once I finally got it up and running. OpenSUSE or SUSE, however you pronounce it, tumbleweed. Struggled to get it installed. Yes, was neat, but a little overwhelming. Not sure how I feel about KDE 
too many options, maybe. Uh, not entirely sure why, but I did not care for it. Linux Mint 21. This is the one I settled on. Linux Mint 21 has a new enough kernel that it recognized my Wi-Fi chipset out of the box. And yeah, I really like the Windows 10 look of Cinnamon. It comes packaged with most software that I need, but that was true for most of the distros. It is responsive and runs well on my laptop. Even my handful of Steam games run well. The welcome screen, much like Ubuntu Mate, was very useful to help get started, and the system was very stable so far. Mint also has auto updates and time shifts pre-installed. That is nice to have that set of features. Thank you guys for your help and your podcast. I really enjoy listening to the two of you and look forward to the next one. Thank you again, Jason. P.S. Bill, I am happy for you and your new job. Glad you enjoy it. Well, thanks, Jason. Um, sounds like uh, you're not a noob anymore, as you like you put it. <laughs> you went through uh, some. I'm glad you found one that you liked. Linux Mint's pretty good uh, distro as far as having everything run out of the box. Fedora uh, is always bleeding edge, so I understand that. Uh, Pop, you have to either like it or you don't like it, but they're doing some cool stuff. And... Um, yeah, OpenSUSE is... Yeah, I've had trouble once on, so I feel you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your experience with each of these distros is probably kind of typical of the new user experience moving over from Windows. I recognize some of those feelings <laughs> uh, on my initial foray into each of those distributions as well, uh, very familiar. Uh, and uh, I settled early on with uh, OpenSUSE and then moved to Linux Mint for some of the same reasons you did, and now have moved over to Ubuntu Mate for other reasons. Um, and like Bill just said, uh, Linux Mint is an excellent new user choice as well as Ubuntu Mate. Uh, and again, it's kind of personal preference. Uh, one of the things I like most about Ubuntu Mate and recommending it for new users is the fact that, as you, um, Jason, observed, you don't need to change distributions or go through a lot of work to change the appearance of the desktop. There are just some desktop layouts that are available, and uh, if you want, you can tweak them from there, but they take the best of each of the desk, the common desktop uh, layouts that are available um, on Linux and give them to you in a nice, no need to reboot format. So good. I'm really happy that you found what you needed and uh, also very happy that our responses to you have been helpful. So hopefully you'll keep listening and uh, we'll continue to answer any questions you send our way. So thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Okay, next email is from Biku, who emailed about getting started with Linux. Hi there, Larry and Bill. Since Bill is going to continue his Getting Started with Linux series, I thought the following two things might be of interest to you guys. One, suppose a new user has installed Ubuntu proper, the GNOME desktop, 
and is curious about trying out the other flavors of Ubuntu with different desktops. In this scenario, that new user doesn't have to download, format the hard drive, and install those flavors. He or she can easily experience those other flavors by installing meta packages. The user experience will remain the same as installing those features. Here's how it can be done. Um, asterisk. To try or experience Ubuntu Mate, install the following meta package. And the command you would use is sudo apt-get install ubuntu-mate-desktop. To experience Zubuntu, you would install the Zubuntu, that's X-U-B-U-N-T-U, dash desktop. Then for Lubuntu, it's lubuntu-desktop is the meta package. Kubuntu is kubuntu-desktop. And Ubuntu Budgie is ubuntu-budgie-desktop. A bit of a pattern there, I guess. <laughs> After installing your chosen desktop meta package, the user needs to log out of the current session from the login screen, aka GDM or GNOME Des Display Manager, and the user can select their desired desktop environment session. Or number two, as an alternative, after a while, a new user will start feeling comfortable with Linux, and he or she will get interested in the mysterious thing called command line and many powerful command line tools and utilities. Traditionally, man pages have been the go-to knowledge base to learn more about command line tools. And a man page, man is short for manual, manual pages. Uh, the problem with the man pages is that they can be too technical at times, and they often lack good examples. There is a utility called TLDR that tries to solve these issues by providing easy-to-understand examples and cheat sheets for various commands. This tool can be installed by running sudo apt-get install TLDR. After installation, the user can run it like the following. To know more about the tar archiving utility run tldr from the terminal emulator like this tldr space tar tar to learn more about the said utility run tldr from the terminal emulator this way tldr space sed said uh, it's tldr followed by the name of the commander utility easy right i hope the above information will be useful to you guys and listeners Keep up the great work. Biku. And he sent a follow-up email saying, I forgot to mention in my original mail that the meta package for default Ubuntu GNOME desktop is Ubuntu-desktop. And that can be handy, of course, if you've already installed one of the other flavors of Ubuntu and want to try out the default GNOME desktop. Um, one word of caution for me on that. Each of these desktops have a set of pre-configured or pre-installed applications, uh, which if you install the desktop package and do not uninstall the old desktop package, you end up with a mismatch of applications. So, for example, if you start with uh, Ubuntu Mate, you have the um, Kaha, C-A-J-A, -A, 
uh, file manager, and if you install the kubuntu-desktop meta package on top of that, you end up with the KDE version of the file manager, which used to be Dolphin. I don't know if it still is, but you end up with two file managers, the file manager for KDE and the file manager for Mate. And as you add additional desktop meta packages, you end up with additional packages for not just the file manager, but for everything that's different between each of the different uh, desktop environments. So just be careful. You'll end up with a whole bunch more applications. Make sure you've got a lot of good disk space if you're going to install them all. And good luck. It'll be an experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing I also want to point out is there's a big difference between Ubuntu Mate I say big difference. Uh, you'll see what I mean here in a minute. And a stock version of Ubuntu Mate. Uh, the desktop would be similar, but the uh, different teams do different things to make their the for the fit and finish and polish of the uh, installed desktop. So you will not get uh, some of the stuff that you would get uh, if you just went with. Um, uh, like Ubuntu Mate from, and so just installing the desktop and its applications. What I would suggest instead of uh, trashing up your uh, desktop, because you know, like you said, you'll get a, if you don't uninstall, you're going to get a lot of uh, uh, duplicates, uh, duplicate programs to do the same thing. And um, I find that uh, you should probably just try uh, using. Uh, uh, What's that one that uh, GNOME boxes? Uh, yeah, there's uh, you're talking about virtual environments. Yeah, yeah so there's GNOME boxes. Uh, you can also try Vert Manager, V-I-R-T dash Manager, and you would install that from, you know, the command line or whatever. Uh, and there's also VirtualBox. VirtualBox is the other one that that I have used. Um, all of those, I haven't used boxes or I've tried to use boxes and couldn't figure it out. And it just went back to the comfortable two that I use, Vert Manager and uh, VirtualBox. So Vert Manager, I think, was developed by Red Hat. VirtualBox is a pr proprietary virtual environment. Uh, and depending on which way you want to go, either one will work just fine with any distribution. So yeah. you could try that and you could try boxes as well if you're interested with that. And uh, also, since um, most of the flavors, if you have a high-speed uh, internet connection, you could just download it and flash it to a flash drive and try it that way to see which one you like, too. Yeah, so, you could do that. So, I mean, there's some different options. But thanks, Biku. Yeah, thank you. So, Biku wrote back with a suggestion for me. Uh, he says, hi there, Larry and Bill. Bill asked for a distro, distro suggestion during the last episode, so here's my suggestion for him. Regatta OS, uh, and he gives me uh, uh, www.regatta.com. Give it a spin. Uh, uh, he said he think I might like this one. And take care, guys, and Biku. So, Biku, I went and looked at the website, and they have a nice-looking website, and this is a... Biku knows me well because he sent one that's gaming oriented. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. uh, so I looked at it and, you know, it looks like, 
it would be a good fit so of course I'm going to give it a try Biku. so when I get done recording I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, give it a whirl and see if um, if it's any good uh, it's based yeah I think uh, I couldn't figure out what it was based on and you've uh, kind of dug around uh, and found out it was on open source. is that right yeah yeah at least that's what it says in uh, distro watch and we know they're never wrong. Oh, of course, of course. It looks like it's been around for three releases. They okay. have a 20.1.28, a 21.0.46, and the most recent version, at least according to DistroWatch, is 22.0.6. And that was released and on October 25th, 2022. So this month, we're recording this in October. So it's uh, fresh off the presses. Nice. <laughs> release. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, it says that the Office suite that they install is only Office. Huh. That's interesting. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Uh, Pre-installed on a distro. It's a good choice. Yeah, I usually see... Um uh, like, uh, uh, was it uh, Open Office? Yeah, LibreOffice. You is know, the more popular one these days. Yeah, yeah the one that uh, I liked uh, a lot, and I still like to spin it up once in a while, is the um, Deepin. Um, yeah, Deepin has that uh, as one of its options, and uh, it um, yeah, it worked well. I tried it. Okay. Uh, next up, Reed also had a suggestion for you, Bill. Okay. Uh, he writes, in your last episode, you mentioned recommending distros to try and comment on. I immediately thought of two. This Windows lookalike, Windows FX. Hmm, that's a new one. And there's a link we'll have in the show notes to the Windows FX, um, an article on Windows FX from ZDNet. And Reed continues, I'm interested in it because I've been recommending Ubuntu Mate or Linux Mint for the odd friend. They're not really that odd. Who would like to <laughs> give Linux a try? So I wondered whether Windows FX might be an easier transition for Windows users if it is stable and well-supported. And Spiral Limit Linux, which comes in several spins, including Mate. We'll have a link to the GitHub site for Spiral Linux. I'm assuming there's a download there. Note, I tried Spiral Mate on a mid-2000s white MacBook, of all things, and it works great, even picked up the Wi-Fi. It's fast. I'm using this computer with my SDR now. I know I like Spiral with Mate, but wondered what you would think. The other distro... I know nothing about, but wondered what you wise old birds would think of as an introductory Linux for ex-Windows folks. Maybe too much like Windows? Thanks for the great, ever-informative show. I depend on it. Reed. Well, thanks for the suggestions, Reed. What do you think, Bill? You're the one that's most likely going to be trying these out. Oh, let's not be king. I am going to be the one to try it out. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing um, uh, about the Windows FX is uh, it's, 
I have to look at it again, but anytime you use Windows, uh, Microsoft tends to get a little um, antsy about it. So, you know, I, I foresee a rebranding in their future. Um, as far as spir uh, Spiral, I, when I looked at it, I thought it said Spyro. I was, you can tell I'm a gamer. I was thinking of the, uh, the little uh, dragon. His name's Spyro. Mm -hmm. So, oh, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll look at uh, Spiral. I, I, don't know. I, let me see what it looks like. Uh, I, I can't say whether I'll try it or not. I, I don't uh, usually like to go where they just have a GitHub. I like to, you know, see some screenshots and, you know, see what applications and see who's behind it. And so, but I, I would definitely will give it a look. So, yeah, thank you for those uh, very much. Yeah. We'll include links in the show notes to each of those. Yeah. So it looks like there was another suggestion by Advanti. Uh, and he also suggested a distribution. And he says NixOS and other immutable OSs for Linux. Um, now, for those who don't know what an immutable operating system is, it's uh, a system that... Um, you don't, it doesn't, the base system doesn't uh, change. It's always, it's like uh, set in concrete and you install the applications on top is the best way I can ex uh, uh, describe it. And it, it's one of those, if you restart it, if after, uh, you know, you say you got hacked or something like that, or, or, uh, you, or you totally bork your system. If you usually do a restore uh, store, it'll come back with, and because the, the base system doesn't change, so um, you you actually install. Um, it, it's marked as read but not write. And uh, there was one that uh, um, Fedora had. A, uh, I can't remember its name either, but it's uh, one of them that they're trying. I think it's um, uh, Core OS or something like that. I can't remember something something like that. But it is uh, definitely uh, an interesting way of you know, especially if you're using it in a, a school, you can let the kids do all the stuff they want, and at the end of the day, you just reboot it and it's back to the the set image that and so you don't have to reinstall because we know children never mess up anything and adults uh, <laughs> ne never do either uh-huh no i can yeah so it's one of those uh, uh systems that you can say here see what you like they can play all they want but they really can't hurt it so uh, it's yeah. it's interesting technology. It's still in its infancy, but it's it's coming along. I, I every once in a while I'll install it and just play with it. Uh, the, about the only time the Linux uh, base, uh, the immutable part, it changes is when they go to a new version. So it's very right. Cool. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, been fascinated with these immutable OSs for a while. Uh, when I first got started into computing seriously, it uh, was with Unix. I think it was Unix. Maybe there was. Uh, maybe it was Linux. I don't remember, but it was Unix-like environment and and learning to program in a shell. Uh, and 
Interestingly, the school I was registered with was using um, not an immutable operating system, but they had a series of scripts that actually reset the training environment every evening. So we would go in, store whatever we worked on, projects or whatever, onto uh, a hard drive somewhere uh, on the server. And then the entire OS that we were logged into was reset back to its original image every evening. So no matter what we did, it would always revert back uh, overnight. And this is the kind of thing that I think uh, these immutable OSs are meant to do. So not just the command line environment being reset, but the entire operating system being reset. And uh, interesting. It's um, it's called Fedora Silverblue. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as restrictive as you might think, because you can still install software, and you can still use that and installed software after rebooting and those kinds of things. But the OS itself is what doesn't change. The the kernel and all of the other components that actually run the operating system and then the user environment is what is uh what what sticks around and the anything that you might have done to change the configuration files for the operating system or any of those kinds of things are the things that get locked down and get reset so yeah, uh, you're you're still flag, you know you can still use it like a regular Linux operating system. It's just that it's protecting you from yourself more than anything else. <laughs> well, from their page, uh, I wanted to see if I had a little better explanation of um, the what it is, and it says that um, unlike the other operating system, Silverblue is immutable. This means that every installation is identical to every other installation of the same version. The, oper the operating system that is on the disk is exactly the same for, for one, from one machine to the next and never changes at, and never changes its use. And so it's, it, it's designed to, you know, be more stable, uh, less prone to bugs and easier to test and develop. Um, it also is a, they say it's also an excellent platform for containerized applications. You know, I guess we could think something like Snap or Flatpaks, uh, kind of. Yeah, idea. yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, in each case, the application apps and containers are kept separate from the host system. So it improves stability. So if you have a misbehaving app or a, uh, app that, uh, someone has, uh, wrote to tamper with your system, it, it, it won't allow it to mess with your base system. You can always roll back. Now, Silverblue, uh, I run it for about three months, and it was I, I enjoyed it. Um, and it, it has different ways of going. And uh, when they update it, uh, the base system, you have to manually or switch to that one uh, to the new system, and then. Uh, start so it's they always have like a snapshot i think it's a good uh mm, okay good yeah it's, it's fascinating technology i this is one of the projects that i've been watching for and it seems to get better and better uh, all the time so anyway 
Yeah. Enough rambling about silver blue. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday we'll all be using that kind of technology. Yeah, I mean, I think it really is a great, is really a, uh, a awesome idea. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, but this NixOS, I've heard about it. I didn't know. I was under the impression that Nix OS was not Linux. Let me. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but it says, uh, I think it's just a, a different, let me look here on its website. Um, hmm. I know uh, I've listened to some people that had tried it and had some interesting stuff, but um, I think it's mainly for like, you know, Docker and cloud images, and you can test your, but I mean, I'll look at it. I'm sure there's... Um, other ways uh, to um, use it. I'm just, I'm just not sure what it's based on. Intel. Yeah, it's yeah. I just looked it up in DistroWatch again, uh-huh. and apparently it is not based on anything. It's independently developed. Ah, okay. Uh, developed in the Netherlands using KDE, and it's been around a while. Has it? Yeah, it looks like the first, or they have a, a large number of releases. Yeah, it goes uh-huh. back to 2013. Okay, so it's been around for about, what, nine, ten years? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so yeah. I've heard the name, never used it, might be worth a try. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's right, uh, Google's my friend. It's um, it's uh, says it's Linux or Unix-like, and so... I don't know. It has its own foundation uh, called NixOS Foundation. So, huh. I'll have to uh, look into it. It says uh, it's written in Nix expression language. Hmm. Sounds like I need to do some research on this one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this, yeah this I haven't run it. Interesting. I've run Silverblue. Um, I've run a lot of these, but Nix I haven't run. So it might be fun to give it a whirl and see what it's like. Uh, I'm sure you're going to jump right in and, and just nuke everything and, and try that, aren't you, Larry? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think I'll uh, put it on my uh, 2010 uh, HP <laughs> G60. <laughs> <laughs> See if but, it runs on that old computer. You know, one of the things that we uh, that I wanted to bring up before we, you know, close out this session is that Say you start with like Linux uh, Mint, and uh, and you want to try something different. Um, you don't have to just because we say it's a starter does not mean that it's only for beginners. You know. Is this oh, a, very true. Good point. Um, you know, I, I would say that with like a Buntumate, uh, which I think might be a little better example, just because Linux Mint does a lot of their own. Uh, special ways uh, and special tweaks, but just because uh, it says beginner, it says it's beginner distro does not mean that you cannot continue using it. And you, so you know you can change the desktop on any of these to to you know make it uh, how you like it. Uh, I kind of like a, a blend of a, a window Mac OS esque. Um, look for mine, but that's just me, Larry. I'm, you prefer, I think you prefer more of a, 
uh, what, what, how'd you say it? A Spartan type of one? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, minimalist. And yeah. our our good friend Door to Door Geek, he if it's not command line, he he loves command line. So you know, no desktop is good for him. Uh, he he can do it all uh, from you know very minimalist. So whatever you like, you can get on a beginner distro. It's beginner is just one that's kind of aimed to help you get started, but does not mean it can't do everything all the others do. Yeah, very good points. Thanks for reminding us of that, Bill. Yeah. Um, any other words before we wrap up? Uh, nope. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. No, no. Yeah. No, it's ending this, on the same note we started with. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, uh, actually, I'm really excited to see how, uh, try some of these that they suggested. Thank you for the suggestions. Um, where I, I don't do as many distro reviews anymore uh i tend to find something that works and to stay with it um or but uh most people will not uh jump distros as quickly as i do <laughs> larry i think uh used to be a common joke that which distro you run into today type of thing and sometimes it worked it, it worked out well and other times it was not quite uh, that great uh you remember the days like every week it was a different one so yeah uh, yep. meanwhile larry's still running ubuntu mate <laughs> yes yes and i'm uh actually Sticking to an LTS version right now. What? So an LTS? Yes, I know. What, well, what, give me what, a little bit. What happened? <laughs> give me what, a little what, bit. Wait, wait a minute. No, no, I got what? You usually yes. always on the Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, well, okay, we'll no, see. we just we'll want see. our Linux to work to get things just done. Just want it to yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. We started there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, thanks uh, to all of our listeners for providing the feedback that they do on a regular basis. And uh, everybody who contributed to this episode, special thanks. Uh, and I want to let you know that our next episode, if we're very lucky, we'll continue our series on getting started with Linux. Uh, and until then... You can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.